You are listening to the podcast of the Y Church of the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. They set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills of East Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. All right, good morning once again. We are in Genesis now. We've got some Old Testament place names, and it's only going to get harder from here. In a few weeks, someone has to read a lot of funny-sounding words, so thank you, Jill, for sharing. Again, starting off here in Genesis this fall season together as we explore the life of Abraham and really looking at this idea of Abraham and the reward of Abraham, which is a life, a journey, a relationship with God. So thank you all for whatever you did to get here at nine. We made it, here we are, and it's great to be gathered together in this space. So we sat around our table looking at the question of a favorite trip that we've gone on, and it makes me think, you know, why do we travel? Why do we take trips? And I think of a few things, a desire to be in a new or different place, a desire to be out of our current place. Maybe we travel so that we can meet someone or to see something that we've never seen in person before. Or maybe we're traveling to start a new job or due to a significant relationship or perhaps to better our life or the lives of other people in our life, like our children. But most of the time, our travel is based on our own desire to go somewhere else. And sometimes we may even have to move locations due to surrounding circumstances that are outside of our control. But how often do people go from one place to another because God was the one that directed them to go? And doing so would inherently require listening and hearing God's voice. And so what does that mean? What does it mean to hear God's voice? How is that even accomplished? And I think in part, just like any other relationship, 
To hear God's voice requires spending that time together with God and knowing more about the person we're spending time with helps us to know more about their response and reaction to something. Those of us who are married know very much the line (laughs) of would my spouse appreciate if I went there at this time, even though I think it might be really important and such and such might not be as important to me. We can anticipate the response that our spouse may have. And how much more so should we then be anticipating the response that God may have to something that we are seeking and wanting to do And the more we get to spend time with him and create that space to allow him to speak, the more that we can, in fact, hear from God. It could be an impression on our heart. could be just a great sense of peace about something. And speaking of a great sense of peace, there's usually like air blowing around or something. It is really still and quiet right now. (laughs) I think we'll get that fixed for next week. But yeah, as we listen to God's voice, we are prompted then to obey and to follow after him. And ideally, we are making our life decisions based on what God wants for us. Now, there may be many other factors that we end up following in making our life decisions, but I think that target, that goal that each one of us as followers of Jesus would want to pursue is doing so in faithful obedience to God's desire for us. So even if we've got that in place None of us have ever been in that place exactly like Abram, someone who is primary covenant partner with God, who God chose to bless not only him, but multitudes upon multitudes of people, many, many, many descendants whom even us who are in the family of God would then be in relation to. Abraham, or Abram as we find him to be called in this passage, was a significant yet unsuspecting individual. We find the call of Abram in Genesis chapter 12, as Jill read. Up until this point, Genesis covers what biblical scholars call primeval history. And primeval history just sounds ancient, because it is. And up until that point, we're learning about there's a different focus. And then Abram gets introduced onto the scene And it's something called the Abraham cycle. And that's what we're going to be looking at here this week and for five more weeks. We're going to take a little break next week as Tom Juergens comes and shares. And then through September and October, we'll be looking at this life of Abraham and how he has journeyed with God. And we don't know exactly why God chose Abraham specifically. But we do know where he comes from or who he comes from. He's a descendant of Shem. You may remember that Shem is one of the sons of Noah. And we do know that he had some sort of wealth, that he was prosperous. We see in verse 5 of the possessions that he had gathered, the people that he had acquired. And we do know where he was from, coming from Ur originally and then settling with Haran with relatives. But in any event, God called Abram and made a great promise to him. So in future weeks, we're going to make, uh, look more closely at what covenant means and what this particular covenant between God and Abram was and what that all impacts for generations to come, including for us. But already here in chapter 12, we see the theme of promise at Abram's call. 
And again, this story, this call of Abram may be a familiar one. It may be something that you look at these nine pretty quick verses and think, yep, I know the story, but there's a lot for us to kind of unpack and see the impact of, which also has an effect for us today in our own lives, in our own walk with God. So the promises spoken to Abram from God comes in these seven parts, and we can see these, a lot of these I will statements in verses 2 and 3. So God is speaking, I will make you, Abram, into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So there's the seven kind of pieces of this big promise to Abram. And again, we don't know all the surrounding circumstances of what was Abram up to. How did Abram hear God in that time? What led up to him being called by God? But we'd have to think that there was something, even if he didn't have all the pieces together, there was something already in him that God knew, character traits and qualities, that this was someone who, though he may not be specifically prepared, he was prepared in other ways for God to use him and to be available to him. And I think that's something for us to, to draw from as well, of how we can avail ourselves to God to be ready, even when we're not like specifically ready, but we're ready to listen to and respond to God. So each of these seven components demonstrates a relationship between God and Abram. In other words, these things wouldn't happen on their own apart from God. Keep in mind that Abram is a childless old man, and God is promising him descendants and a great future. And God is specifically choosing to use Abraham as a vessel for this promise to come into fruition through. So here's how we can break down this passage from Genesis 12. So we look and we see the Lord's call to Abram. In that call, the Lord called Abram to forsake his homeland for the promise of a new land, a new nation and personal greatness and to be the means of blessing for the world. And Abram was to leave his homeland for a promised land. And now again, we spoke this morning about taking a trip. And maybe some of you, your trip was Minnesota. (laughs) And you have come and you have moved here and you have established a new home here. Also, we see the extent of the promise and blessing that God promised Abraham, great personal blessings in order that he might be a blessing, and that the people of the world would be blessed if they shared in Abram's blessing. Then we also see Abram traveled. He got up and went. That might be one of the most significant pieces of this passage. So Abram went. It's an amazing thing to hear God's call that no matter what's going on around, to still go, to respond in faithful obedience to God. And then also Abram's comprehensive obedience regardless of circumstances. So even though he was advanced in years, Abram journeyed to the land of the Canaanites with his wife, his nephew, his possessions, and people. Abram entered the land of the Canaanites and stopped at a shrine near Shechem. And here also we see the Lord's confirmation. The confirmation that the Lord appeared to Abram 
and promised to give the land to Abram's descendants. And Abram's response was one of worship. Although he had to journey on toward the south, Abram made proclamation of his faith in the Lord at his altars. And then Abram travels. Abram continually journeyed on toward the south. I think that's an amazing thing to see in this brief nine-verse passage uh, that a huge, significant thing has happened in God specifically calling Abram and calling him and promising him uh, new things, things that he can't even see yet. And when he gets there to this land, other people are inhabiting it. It's not yet uh, for him and his people yet to come because there is no one else after him. He still has no descendants. He's still a man on a, a mission, a man sojourning in faith unto the Lord. And so we can assume that he continued in that travel, seeing the land as it was, to go and continue southward and continue in his faith journey with God as he's on a physical, geographical journey as well. So there's a few things that we can learn specifically from Abram that also then are useful and applicable for ourselves. First being, Abram is receptive. Abram is ready to receive. So where Abram starts in Haran is not where he is to remain. And Abram is not given a specific direction. You know, he didn't pull up Google Maps and say, this is the route that you're supposed to go. He's just given the right direction. And I think that's a powerful thing for us to apply to, that we might not have all the specifics of what God is intending for us and all the exact detail of the plan that he has for us, but we have the right direction, that first step to take and to seek God for the next one and the next one and the next one. And this divine address to Abram, the word of God to Abram, is to radically abandon all natural roots. We see that again in verse 1. kind of goes from, from larger to more personal. To go from your country, your people, and your father's household. That's a, a huge thing. I think a lot of us may be willing to do things in certain measures, but the more and more personally impactful it is, the more challenging it can be to then respond in that obedience to go and to leave. Abram is simply to leave everything behind and entrust himself to God's guidance. I think what we're seeing already in this part of the New Testament, early on in the whole story of Scripture, is this importance of being one who follows God means being an all-in follower. It means leaving things, or people even, behind and going all-in for where he may be calling. And we see this in Jesus, his own ministry to others to take up our cross daily, to deny ourselves, and to follow him. And already in the significant figure in the Old Testament, we're seeing this complete followership required as he relates to God. And this was life-changing faith. So we have evidence that Abram was worshiping God, but there was already many other gods being worshipped around him, maybe alongside of the one true God, Yahweh. And this would have taken him from that background and context into worship of the one true God. So Abram is receptive. Abram is also responsive. Abram responds and is in that position ready to respond to what the Lord directs him to. Abram obeys without knowing and without objection. 
He doesn't have details of where he's headed. He just knows he's to go to this land that the Lord has promised to him and directing him to go. And he goes without objection. He doesn't put up any fight or justification for why he shouldn't. He just goes. And Abram went. It's huge on multiple levels. To leave home and to break these ancestral ties was almost asking the impossible of ancient people. This departure also represented a change of faith. And in a pagan context, with little information, Abram took God at his word, and Abram went. So we see two results of what Abram's responsiveness and receptiveness lead to. The dual result of Abram's receptivity and responsiveness is blessing. The blessing is of him personally and for others to come, including those in the family of God today. So Abram would be a blessing. We may ask, to whom? For whom? And the answer is, to all the world's clans, to all peoples and families. Abram is both a receptacle for the divine blessing and transmitter of it. He serves this dual purpose of getting to receive God's blessing and also being that vessel through whom blessing goes on to other people. The promise of God is the promise of land to Abram's descendants, not to Lot, not to Abram. That whole generation, they're the ones who are to go. Abram isn't going to experience the fullness of having all these many, 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 many descendants or living in that promised land as they would in the years and generations to follow. And the patriarchs did not dwell in Canaanite cities, but they pitched their tents in camps on the outskirts. I think it's just an interesting picture to see of this one generation getting to a certain point, and it's future generations that are going to actually live into and see the fruition of God's word and promise coming to pass. And also the faith of Abram is a faith of action. And we look at seeing kind of the difference as God is speaking about the land In verses 1 and verses 7, there's a bit of a difference. First, chapter 12, verse 1 says, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And then down later, in verse 7, to your offspring I will give this land. So the difference between first being shown the land, and that's where Abram's at, and then later to being given the land, and then that's for his offspring for the future generation yet to come. And in between that showing and that given, what happens? Well, we see that Abram has taken action. Abram decides to go. Again, his faith is a faith of action. So this whole part of Genesis that we'll be looking at over these six weeks uh, begins with the obedience of Abram to the initial calling. Abram goes. And it ends with the obedience of Abram to the testing of God when God tells him to sacrifice his son Isaac. Abram's faith and relationship with God is long-lasting and vastly impactful. The ripple effects of what Abram's decisions are are so widespread, and they're continuing even to this day. The Lord promised to make Abram's name great. And Abram later responded by calling on the name of the Lord. 
It's as if, you know, I'm going to put your name out there, and then Abram decides, I'm going to put your name out there as well. Abram's last stop is in the Negev, the desert area in the southern sections of Palestine. And this journey that Abram takes from Shechem to Bethel to the Negev, it parallels both uh, what Jacob's direction was and the Israelites' the direction that they followed in their conquest of Abram. So again, we're seeing this kind of parallel between this patriarchal generation and those who are yet going to actually see the further fulfillment of God's promise. Israel would learn by this account that their very existence as a nation was by God's election of one man who responded by faith, something for them to see modeled at that very initial level to then carry on in their own walk with God. When they're being challenged and when they're facing circumstances that aren't matching up with the promise of God, that they too would respond in a way that follows the model of Abraham, to follow in active, faithful obedience. This is significant faith demonstrated in obedience by Abraham, by the future Israelites under Moses and Joshua, and by us. God calls people to leave all and receive his blessing. But God's call requires faith. Each one of us has the opportunity and has had the opportunity of hearing God's call on our life. And that response is more than just a yes, like, I agree with that. It's putting that faith, going all in into trusting God and being obedient to him, which then has impact in the practical things that we do. And we can see that obedience to God's call brings about blessing, that when we are aligning ourselves with God, that we see the things of God take fruit and root in our life. And it's a beautiful living relationship that we can have with God. And whoever believes God's word will follow him obediently. Simply put, that faith obeys, that as we are led by God, that we are choosing to place our faith in him. He's going to put things uh, to us that we have the option to say yes or no to, to obey or to, to go in our own direction and to carry on this model that we see from, from Abram, that we see from so many others throughout the generations of the family of God is to then obey faithfully. Obedience encounters opposition. Again, Abram came in obediently to the land, and yet there are other people there. And not only are there other people there, there are people who are practicing pagan worship. They're not even people who are worshiping the one true God. So even when our circumstances do not line up with what we have been given and told by God, that faith is faith that persists, that faith is faith that continues to obey regardless of how the circumstances match with what we are receiving from God. And God confirms his promises to the faithful. It's more than just a word. God now appears to Abram. First he is speaking to him, and then later in this passage, God appears before Abram. And we can think too, how may we experience the confirmation of God's promises. I'm sure this room is full of personal stories of various ways that we have received something from God and we have seen the confirmation of what God has spoken to us previously. And that is something that encourages us, that builds our faith to continue with God, to trust him for even more in the future yet to come. 
and God's obedient servants proclaim their faith through worship. So we see that in Abram's life and what he has chosen to do. The promise was not yet fulfilled, and yet Abram continued on as a sojourner in the promised land. The word to him from God was no less true, even though he hadn't seen it come to fruition fully yet. The response to God's appearance was to worship him. And may this be true for us as well, not just for Abram, that we would have worship given from us to God as we live in this faithful, obedient relationship unto God. Abram praised God for what he had done and for what was yet to be. And that's something for us as well, to be praising God for the truth of his word and for the truth of what is yet to happen, even when we do not see it coming to pass yet. And we understand Abraham as the man of faith. So looking ahead to the New Testament, it refers to Abraham as well. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, says, So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So our story, as those who make up the people of God, is in and because of Abraham's story. They're connected, interrelated. If we have faith, we are considered a child of Abraham. And most importantly, we are considered a child of God, that God is our Heavenly Father. The opportunity is there for us to also receive and to also respond to God's call, just as Abram did, that we could also then be people of faith. And maybe this is the first time, or maybe it's an ongoing time. In either way, the call is the same, that ongoing, surrendered, faithful obedience in a living relationship to God because of the work of Jesus and what he has done on the cross and in his resurrection enabling us to have that wholeness of relationship with God, that it could be said of us, that we, fill in the blank, our name, are a man of God, a woman of God, a man of faith, a woman of faith. And we see also that the faith of Abraham points to so much more. And Hebrews 11, 8 through 10 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So the future calling that ultimately spreads out further from Abraham and the Israelites is that plan of God, his rescue of the world, his redemption of the world that we see in parts done through people like Abraham and is continuing and ongoing. And we'll get to have the opportunity, or we do have the opportunity as well, to join him, to join God in that plan of redemption, in that restoration, in that work of relationship and reconciliation unto God, that the way he intended things to be, the way things were, would become yet again in that wholeness and perfection. And so we're still not there, and we have that hope, though. And we can live as Abram did, in faith, in obedience and trust, 
in the one who can do these things and does do these things. Uh, Please pray with me. God, thank you for a new season. Lord, thank you for new opportunities to learn and to grow and to go in you. Thank you for the life of Abraham and what we can learn from this account in Genesis. Thank you for this season that we can really study and, and hone in on more of who Abraham was and his relationship with you. Lord, thank you for faith, that we can follow you in faithful obedience. Lord, may each one of us be strengthened in faith in you, placing our faith in you for either the first time or for an ongoing way of responding to you, even when circumstances don't appear to match up, trusting you, knowing that you are faithful and steadfast. And may we respond to you in that active faith as Abram has. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.